raise the money and take care of it. So again, we really thank you about that. Well, as you can see, this morning we start a new series, Relationships. I'm going to say it wrong about five. I'm going to go back and forth. Relationships, Relationships, so bear with me. But uh, we're very excited about doing this. Uh, obviously, with all that's going on in our world, the pressure and the uh, tension and everything of everyday life has been amplified. Uh, whether it's uh, staying at home all the time, uh, more time at home than you've ever been at home before, uh, work, no work, all of that, uh, it just gives a lot of opportunities for us to really slip up in our relationships. And uh, we want to learn a lot about how not to do that. So it really doesn't matter where you're coming from, whether you've uh, been following Christ for a number of years, or this is new to you, or you're just trying to figure out what God has to say to your life, uh, this will be a great series uh, to just kind of uh, ground you and try to, uh, to, get, to get that all coming together in a, in a different way. So we're really excited about that and as we unpack it over the rest of the summer. Uh, but before we get started, uh, let's uh, just take some time uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we have a place to gather. We're thankful that uh, it has a new roof going on. Uh, we're thankful for air conditioning. We're thankful for the many ways you just really bless us. And, uh, Father, we don't want to take that for granted. Uh, we're thankful for the way uh, people, volunteers and staff and on and on, just come together to uh, be used by you to make a difference in people's lives here and literally around the world. And we just uh, thank you for that. It was great to see uh, the church uh, in Ireland, the Henricks, uh, begin last week and to hear uh, that it was just a really good time for them. We thank you that we have a small part in that. Lord, we also think of some of the other churches in our area. We uh, think of Jamerson up at Lake Country Christian Church, and I know they took last week off because of some health things and back into it this week, and we just pray that you'd be blessing them. We think of Ray over at Calvary uh, Chapel. Uh, we think of David at uh, Waterloo Baptist. We also think of Dale up at Geneva Assembly. And, of course, we uh, think of the Mennonite Church uh, Cornerstone just around the corner from us. Uh, we're also very thankful for Interlake First Baptist Church and Jesse down there, and also Dave over at the Reformed Church in Interlake and, and many others. And we just ask that you would use all of us in the different ways that we do things to really point others to you. And this morning, as we uh, start to get into this series, we ask that, uh, again, no matter where we're coming from, that uh, you would speak to our hearts and show that uh, you have something for everyday life, and we just uh, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's this uh, problem I have, and I'm a little embarrassed about it. Okay, I'm a lot embarrassed about it, and me being open about this is going to probably uh, make you give me a hard time more often, so I'm feeling a little vulnerable here. But I have something called DE. S. That's driveway envy syndrome. When I see a driveway and it's nice and it's sweet and it's paved, oh, do I love it. Especially love the smell of a new driveway. They ought to come out with a candle, you know, that says driveway heaven or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just really a nice driveway. And, and I really, uh, the first time I discovered that I had this, we were living in Concord, New Hampshire, and living in a farmhouse, and, and the driveway uh, wasn't very good. It was, you know, uh, muddy in the spring, and, and just, just, you know, it's hard to keep my car clean.
clean. That's a subject for another sermon. But uh, you know, it just, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just terrible. And it even, it even was uh, bad on technology. Uh, somehow, uh, the Cindy's first smartphone ended up in the driveway and ended up getting ground into the mud, into millions of pieces. So you know, when I think of driveway, you know, it was hard to find it. It was like in there. We called and called. So so anyway, I have this, I have this really problem with uh, this idea of uh, having a nice driveway. Sometimes when I uh, go to friends of mine who are also pastors and, you know, I get to their church and they're like, look at our church. I'm like, look at your driveway, man. That driveway is awesome, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's just, 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 sorry, that's just a problem with me. So, so when we moved into our place up in Waterloo, uh, it did have a driveway and it was concrete and it was breaking up and so we went to find out how much to reconcrete it and that was just unbelievably expensive and so then we discovered that uh, paving it would be the way to go so we waited and waited and waited and waited and and finally uh, last fall around October we were able to pull the lever and get the driveway paved and I tell you I love that driveway there's sometimes where I just go out there and lay on it I, it just, it just, it is just, it's just awesome, that driveway. It's just smooth. The proudest moment was when a friend said, Dave, you could land a plane on this driveway. I was like, oh, that was so awesome to hear. I mean, I just go out there every once in a while and just take a nap on the driveway. It doesn't matter how hot it is. I love the smell. It's just fantastic. And, you know, they, 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 didn't, they didn't skimp. They, you know, there's like six, seven inches of pavement stuff on it, and, and they first put rocks down, big rocks, little rocks. They, they just did this thing marvelously. So I'm loving my driveway. And you're going, what does this have to do with relationships? Well, you'll find out in a second. But anyway, but now there's a problem. There's a major problem with our driveway. I, well, I, 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 it's, it's a problem for me, especially when I want it to be like smooth and perfect. And, and this is the problem. When they put the pavement on, they were extremely generous with the pavement, and they let some of the pavement go beyond the base. And so what is starting to happen, and I'm told this because there's no base on it, is I'm starting to already see some cracks. Oh, I know. I'm losing sleep over this. Pray for me. I, you know, it just, and, and I can go, wow, the, the, I don't want cracks in my driveway. I would have, you know gone the extra whatever. I would have waited a little bit longer or whatever. So I've got to talk with them and say, what is going on here? But I'm told that it's probably when they were spreading the pavement out, no matter how much pavement or how beautiful the pavement was, when they got it over and there's no foundation, it starts to crack as the dirt underneath is settling more. And I'm guessing this winter when some water gets in there, by the way, Snow blowing this driveway is just a pleasure. I just, I just, I can't wait for snow, especially in the heat. But, but anyway, I just love this driveway. So, so now we got this problem, and my understanding is it's that the foundation underneath it is not right. And so no matter how smooth it is, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter any of those things, if there's not a good base underneath it, we're going to start to lose the six inches, and then no plane will be able to land on our driveway. No, no it's, it's, you know, it's, we're going to start to lose that. And the same is true when it comes to our relationships. There is a base and there's a foundation, and as a pastor you would expect me to say this, but there's a base and a foundation that affects the quality and the way our relationships unfold. 
And when that base isn't there, when that foundation isn't there, when it's not strong, it's very easy or it's easier to have cracks, to have relation slips in our life. And so this morning, as we start off on talking about relationships, uh, we're going to talk about everything from work relationships, marriage, children, on and on and on. We'll be talking about those over the next few weeks. It's a good place to start with what is underneath. What is the base? And this may sound a little presumptuous, especially if you're not a Christ follower and you're just checking things out for me to actually make this statement. But, but I strongly believe when the base is right, and that base is including connection with God, and we'll unpack that as we go through today, when, when that's not there, the opportunities for cracks are huge. And the other thing is true, that even for those that know Christ, when that relationship with God starts to slip, not only does it affect our relationship with God, but it reflects all of the relationships around us. And it doesn't matter how pretty it is, doesn't matter how nice it looks, there will be cracks. And just like my driveway, if that's left untouched, when the water gets in there and the snow gets in there and it expands into the winter, those cracks are going to get larger and larger and larger. And the same takes place when it comes to our relationships. Uh, many of you know our oldest daughter, three weeks ago or so, got married. She married Joe, and we're so excited about that. And uh, because of all the COVID thing, it wasn't a traditional, in a sense, a bigger wedding. It was just family and, and, and uh, bridal party, so it was small. But when Joe had that nervous, it was great. I could start talking about it, that nervous hate. Dave, uh, Mr. Spencer, you know, uh, uh, Sarah and I really like each other, uh, you know, that conversation. And he was getting to the point, it'd be so funny, we were talking about stuff, we were at Starbucks, of course, and we are at the Starbucks, and, you know, we'd talk about this, and all of a sudden, there'd be a silent for a second, and then be some new random thought. I knew what he was ready there to ask for me for, and uh, anyway, I tried to make it, well, I made it a little easier for him. But anyway, so, but when he asked... I said, the most important, th I said, we're delighted, we're excited, blah, blah, blah. You know, most excited thing to me about this whole thing, or the most important question is, how well do you love Jesus? Because I want you to actually love Jesus more than you love my daughter. And if you love Jesus more than you love my daughter... It's not going to be perfect, it's not going to be always smooth, but it is going to go in a direction where you're going to have a great life together. But if you love my daughter, even though you love Jesus just a little bit more than Jesus, you're going to have all kinds of problems. And I, I think I've shared with you before, I didn't know this when I was 19 and when I met Cindy for the first time and I was attracted to her and uh, various things. And all of a sudden one day I, I realized, that, man, I, I really like this girl and, uh, and all that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't until years later, the thing that really was touching my heart is I knew Cindy loved Jesus more than she loved me. And that would be the base of our relationship and so with Jesus directing her to be nice when I wasn't so nice <laughs> or whatever, we were going to go much farther and have such a better life together because of that foundation. 
So again, as we start looking at relationships, it really is important for us to think about that base, think of what's underneath, and it's got to be that connection with God. Now, James uh, writes about this probably 10 to 15 years after uh, Jesus died and rose again. And he writes to a group of Christ followers who were most likely Jewish. And they had uh, left the Jerusalem area where was the starting point uh, for faith and everything. And they had left that area because of the persecution. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to be a Christian and they had gone everywhere. And so James is, is writing these thoughts to them particularly, but they apply a lot to us. And when he gets into this section about arguing and all this kind of thing, it really is poignant for us when we're thinking about relationships. And so he starts to talk about what that, what that means for us. And the idea is, goes along with this is that, is that if you and I um, want to be having our relationships come together, we need to understand, I don't know why it's on the slide here, but it's what causes relationship or relationships in our lives. What causes relationships in our lives? And the first thing uh, we see in the first part of 4.1 says this. It says, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? And so that's a great question when you and I are thinking about relationships. Uh, James says, do you know where your problems come from? Do you know why you as a church and you as families and you as whatever, do you know where that comes from? And where that comes from is that when you and I want our own way. When you and I take that into our relationships and you and I want our own way, it creates all kinds of problems. Back in verse 1, going a little farther, it said, they come from the selfish desires that make war inside you. You want things, but you don't get them. So you kill and are jealous of others but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. You don't get what you want because you don't ask God. Or when you ask, you don't receive anything because the reason you ask is wrong. You only want to use it for your own pleasure. You see, when you and I don't have God as the growing base of our life, our connection with him is a growing base in our life, Wanting our own way rules our lives. It's all about wanting our own way. And this is true even those of us who have said yes to Christ. If we're not careful, we can be all about ourselves. And when we're all about ourselves wanting our way, our selfish desires, uh, it makes a little war inside you. Why would it make a war inside you? Because if you've said yes to Christ, you have... Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in your life. You're connected with God. And, and when you're being selfish, when I'm being selfish, that doesn't sit well with the, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes in my life, I, I'm a little irritated. I'm a little off on edge, and I wonder where that's coming from. I'm not uh, happy, and all of a sudden, sometimes I realize it's because, in a sense, I'm wanting to go a direction that is very selfish, or even just a little selfish, and the Holy Spirit is trying to lead me in a different way, and we're kind of like having a little bit of war. It's like a low-grade fever, and so it's inside you. You want things, but you don't get them, uh, so you kill, and you go, wow, that's really, really hard. I think he's trying to draw this, draw this out. I mean, there probably have been some times where somebody stood in your way of something, and you wouldn't necessarily want to kill them, but you wouldn't mind if they disappeared, if they didn't exist. 
uh, and you're jealous of others, uh, but you still can't get your own way, so you, you fight and you argue. You have lots of relationships, and they, just, they are just there. And you don't ask God. Why don't you ask God? Because sometimes you and I know when we ask God, we're asking him for something that is very selfish. It's very one-sided, and, uh, you, you know, it's just, he's just not going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, have that. Yeah, sure, do that. And so we, don't, we know enough to know that because we know uh, what our values are, our, what our wants are, what our motives are. So when you and I think about relationships, we, we go, we want our own way, and, uh, and that gets in the way and causes relationships. Also, there's this idea that we cheat on God. You go, cheat on God? That sounds a little dramatic. That seems a little bit over the top. But in a sense, there are ways that you and I can cheat on God. Other things grab our attention. He's not the foundation of our lives. I don't know about you, but as the world seems to have come apart a little bit in the hinge, from the hinges and a little bit at the seams over the last, you know, four, five, six months, uh, you know, we've, we're discovering that some of the things we leaned on, even as Christians, were not God. And all of a sudden, when the bottom of something else drops out, we find that the foundation was that other thing, and it's settling, and it's creating cracks in our lives. And those cracks overflow into our relationships. We don't live compartmentalized lives, so if I'm not feeling good about this, if I'm stressed out about finances, I'm stressed out about this and that, and you know, health, and, and all these kinds of things, and I'm, I'm living in a, a little bit of a panic, uh, we, find, we find that that's because we are leaning on, trusting on something else. And that, in a sense, is really cheating on God, because God is the one we're supposed to be leaning in. He's the one that's supposed to be the one we trust in. We read in verse 4, it says this, You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, and when it says flirting with the world, it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to enjoy living on planet Earth. Flirting with the world are the kind of the ideas, the things that are not aligned with God's heart. God's heart is leaning towards love and kindness, you know, love God and love others. So when we're flirting with the world, which a lot of places, the world is one way, it's all about me. So when we're flirting with the world, every chance you get, you end up enemies of God because you've got a different plan, different direction and his way. And so for someone who has not said yes to Christ, not say yes to God, you're off the hook because you can't cheat on God, and since you're not married to God, so you, don't, you can't cheat on him. You don't have a relationship with him. So this is really directed to those of us who have a relationship with God, and, and we can cheat on him. Uh, you know, the whole process of marriage and understanding that and, and deciding that that one person is for you and all that happens with that, we understand that, and that really is imagery to our relationship with with God. If we went through the Older Testament, we would see all these kinds of things where uh, God calls Israel out and uh, Judea out and, and all this stuff because they're, they're cheating on God. You know, uh, you are my bride and, now, and, all, and all that kind of imagery going on there. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, those of you who are married, I remember uh, getting married. I was 22 and, and uh, the day we're getting married, all of a sudden it got really real to me. I said, now Cindy is the only one. Cindy, I mean, no more other girls. I dated a few girls. She's it. I like that, but I'm a little nervous about that. There's no more options anymore. She is the one. And, and I remember, you know, you, you, you know, just to be honest, guys, you know, you're, you're, 
you know, before you're married, you're always, oh, there's a cute girl. There's a cute girl. I'm going to, you know. And so all of a sudden, that has to, like, get out of my brain. That has to be gone. There's only one cute girl for me, and she's sitting right over there. So you have to go through that process. And all of us can think of ways that we subtly and in a significant way could cheat on our spouse. Well, those same kinds of things are true with our relationship with God. When our heart is not aligned with His, when it's not going in that direction, in a sense, we're we're cheating on God. God has given us new life through Christ. Church is referred to the bride of Christ. All that imagery. There's some of us play the field a little bit when it comes to our walk with God. And that's, that's not to make you feel too bad, maybe a little bit bad, but if you're worried or concerned about race relations slips, no matter how your relationships are, if you're not building that foundation, that solid in your life, you're going to get cracks and you're going to get relation slips. So cheating on God just doesn't only affect your relationship with God, but it also affects the way you are in relationship with God with others. Some of the ways we do this, and I'm just going to give these as bullets out to you. There's not room in your notes for this, but, you know, sometimes it's showed by our temporary pleasure, wanting it now over his eternal promises. It can be shown in our desire for an immediate answer rather than his everlasting comfort. Uh, It can be shown in the fact that we have finite mindsets, and he has an infinite existence, and he's thinking long-term, and we're not. It can be shown in our unforgiveness, his desire that no man should perish but have our everlasting life. So he, he desires forgiveness. We talked about that uh, last week with revenge. Uh, also, our conditional contractual love. We, we in a sense, uh, don't have too many opportunities for unconditional love. Maybe the closest to it is the way we treat our children. We have an unconditional love. They're always our kid, and, and, and they could do some pretty bad things, and they're always our child, and we love them. But on all other accounts, basically, our love relationship, there's a little bit of a contract in that. Even, even with my relationship with Cindy, there are some things I could do that would damage our love and, and, and break that covenant. But God has an unconditional love for you. That does not mean that you should uh, walk all over it. It doesn't mean you should take it for granted. It actually means you should celebrate at it. And it means that at least he should own our heart even at a deeper level because his love for us is unconditional. That is amazing. I don't want to test the waters, but I can blow it, and I do blow it. I can blow it in little ways, big ways, and he doesn't write me off. He has unconditional love for me, and he has unconditional love for you. And then there's just very simple our will versus his will. Sometimes I have to pray, and I've shared this with you before. I have to say, Lord, I want to want what you want. I'm not even close to it. I don't want to do that. Just create the fact that I want to do what you want. And there's that battle. And those are all kinds of hints and ways that, in a sense, uh, we can cheat on God. In James 4, 5, we read, And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiery, fiercely jealous lover. And the idea, and this goes back to that Old Testament, is that he is jealous for our love. 
And it's not because he's like a petty, jealous God. It's because he knows that when we're walking with him, when we're focused in him, when we have our eye on him, life is better for us. We can be who he's made us to be. And when you and I don't have him as the object of our heart, life is, is chaotic. Things creep in. You can keep things hidden along the edges, but it creeps in. Because again, that foundation isn't there. And you're building a life on a foundation that will settle and there will be cracks. And so when it comes to this idea of jealousy, he's jealous for us because he wants the best for us. So we also reject walking in his grace. This may sound a little odd to you, but uh, when you and I, in a sense, uh, let these relation slips come in, it, it causes us to reject walking in his grace. And you're saying, well, no, I walk in his grace when I do something that's out of line and, 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 and God kind of forgives me, looks the other way, lets it go. But he wants us to walk in his grace. And walking in his grace is more than just having forgiveness. It's, it's walking in rhythm with him. Verse 6 says, you may think that the situation is hopeless, but God gives us more grace when we turn away from our own interests. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he pours out grace on the humble. Have you ever had a situation where there's someone where you're, uh, that they're answerable to you? Maybe it's a child, maybe it's someone at work, and, and, and they, just, they just don't get it right. But they come to you with humility. They come with you with, with, with a feeling of remorse uh, and, and all of that. And, and when they do, and they sincerely didn't mean to do what they did, and, or they, in a weak moment they did what they did, you, you're more apt to go, you're more apt to just kind of wrap your arms around them and say, you know, it's okay, we all mess up, and, and you just love that. But if you have someone that's uh, got out of line, whether it's an employee, whether it's a kid, whether whatever, and, and they come to you with, with pride, and they come with you, you know, they're not admitting to anything, they're, they're you know, maybe, you're, they're, maybe they're saying, no, the thing isn't wrong with me, it's with the rule or the idea that you had, that's where the, 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 the error is, and all of that kind of stuff. You don't like that. You go, how, how can they say that to me? And in a sense, that's the way with God. God. God wants to walk alongside us. He knows we're made out of clay. There's some verses that talk about that, that we're human beings. He understands our human condition. Uh, so, but he, he wants us to lean into grace. He wants us to lean into it. And when we kind of go on our own way, when we're, only, when we're proud, when there's no humility, uh, we're, 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 we're rejecting that. He wants to be a part of our life. You know, God's grace, you've probably heard this before, it's a little acrostic, it, it gets us thinking about it. Yes, if you were a great theologian, this is not the full enough uh, definition for it, but uh, it helps me remember what grace means. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, God it welcomes us into his family, welcomes us into his kingdom, connects with us, has a relationship with him for what Christ did on the cross for us and that he rose again. So, so when we think about, you know, what gets in the way, what causes relations slips in our lives, there's some things that counteract that. There's some things that uh, stop us from or, or help us to, to build that foundation. And the first one is this, is we give ourselves to God. A lot of your translations will say, submit yourself to God. 
Well, in our day and age, most of us don't like the word submit, do we? Someone says, just submit to me. Oh, no, no, you don't like that, and that's kind of like a power thing. Someone has more power over me, so you have to submit. You have to say uncle. Uh, we have those thoughts that come along with that word. But really, it's the idea here that James is talking about is that we give ourselves to God. And, you know, when you fall in love with someone and you give yourself to them, it's completely different. When, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about what a fortunate, lucky guy I am to be married to Cindy and we're, you know, in the living room, you know, watching a little news, eating a little thing, and I get up, uh, you know, I'm trying to give myself to her. So even in that moment, I'll say, hey, do you need anything? And then what she says to me sometimes, all I need is you. Some, now, now you don't know whether I'm actually saying, do you need anything because I actually want to get her something or I just want to hear, all I need is you, sweetie. Isn't that sick? Sick. All right. But, but when you love someone, you give yourself to them. You're looking for ways to, to serve them, to, 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 to you know, please them, all that goes along with that. And so when you and I want to counteract relations slips in our lives, it begins with giving ourselves to God. Remember I said earlier when I talked to Joe, I said, I want to make sure that you really have given your life to Jesus, that you're not a casual Christian, that you're not just a cultural Christian, that you actually love Jesus and are trying to grow closer to God on a daily, regular basis, that you, in a sense, every day get up and re-give yourself to God. Sometimes you hear about people doing that. I am very impressed with this. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but some celebrity person said, you know, every day they get up, uh, you know, they, before their, their feet hit the ground, they, in a sense, go right to the knee position and say, God, I want to give you this day. And if their heart's engaged, that is awesome. So you give yourself to God. Uh, Jesus, became, be, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words, keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. I love that word, accessible. Why did Jesus come? To make God accessible. We were reading a book, some of the men were reading this book, and it was all about how God, Jesus came to make God accessible. Sometimes in church settings, religious settings, we actually do the opposite. We make God not accessible. That's not why Jesus came, Jesus came so that God would be accessible. And a part of that being accessible is changing, is growing. And we turn from our sins as we see things that are out of step with God, as the Holy Spirit in connection with us reveals things, we adjust, we change. It's not a one and done kind of a thing. I want to be a different person than I was six months ago. If I'm still the same person I was six months ago, inside, then I'm not changing. And then the other thing, well, maybe I've arrived. No, 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 you haven't arrived. So, so you always need to be changing until you take the last breath. You and I need to be changing and be growing. So it's a process. We're always turning away. And what's great about God in his gentleness, being a father, he doesn't dump all our out of alignment, all of our sins on us in one load. He gives us enough to work on. And then as time goes and we grow, 
little bit more. It's just the same way if you're training to do some kind of skill and you've got a master whatever, master carpenter, master electrician, whatever that person is, and, and they're, they're showing you the ropes. They, they usually just show you bit at a time so you can kind of get it. If they, if they wanted to, they could blow your mind. You go, I could never do this, and you're done. God doesn't want to do that. God, a time, a step at a time. So we're turning. Again, we're, we're giving ourselves to God. Uh, in one of our series, we use this uh, passage a lot. I just, just love it. Every morning you hear me at it again. Every morning I put day in there. I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. And the idea, the imagery there is you're offering yourself and if you know some of the Bible stories, there's one time where fire comes down, it happens a couple times, and uh, that's God's acknowledgement. So in a sense, we start our day, we offer our day to him, and we wait to see how God's going to show up in our day. And I want to encourage you that normally, regularly, if you start your day off that way, God will show up. Fire will come down. You'll all of a sudden realize, hey, wait a minute. That, that was a God moment. Wait a minute, God just did something. Lay the pieces of my life before him. Try to continue to grow towards him. Give more of my life away. When I learned there's a segment, there's a compartment in my life that I've been holding out on, not acknowledging, and I give him my day, lay the pieces before him, and I can't wait to see how he's going to show up. In one of our leadership meetings, we were talking about all that's going on, and I said the most exciting time Exciting thing about this time of uncertainty is we get to watch God show up. If it was everything was normal, da, 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 yeah, God shows up. But we get to sit in the bleachers, in a sense, watching the game and see God show up. One of the encouragements about the roof to me, and I know we're, about, we're not about buildings. Buildings help us do what we need to do, and that's the only reason we have a building is because we want to use it to help us make a difference in our community. But the way the whole roof thing came together, the way prices were you know, back and forth, the way the money's come in, and all those kinds of things, that's awesome to think that in the middle of all this, that comes together. And that's just, that's just like the icing on the cake. That's just the top. What, what about the deeper things? What about the things where people's lives are being changed? So I encourage you, if you want to have less relation slips in your life, you need to ask what kind of foundation are you building, and that foundation has got to be God. And if it's not God, if it's not God primary, like, again, back to Joe. I didn't want Joe to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm kind of into it, you know, kind of not into it. You know, I'm like, no, ah! I would have been like, whoa, no, I don't want that. You know, don't want that. I want someone who's into it. I want someone who's passionate about their relationship with Christ. And then I know that as long as he's moving in that direction, the best he can for who he is, where he's at in his spiritual journey, he will treat my daughter right. Because God is, his, God is, his, is my daughter's heavenly father. And God actually loves Sarah more than Cindy and I do. So if anyone's got an agenda for Sarah to be treated right by her husband, it's God Almighty. So if Joe is putting God first, that relationship is in pretty good hands. So all of our relationships are like that. Now, if you've never said yes to Christ, 
uh, not to oversimplify it, but it involves three thoughts. It involves admitting that you need Christ in your life, you need to connect with him, understanding that sin, disobedience, selfishness, however you want to say it, uh, disconnects you from God. And so you admit that you have a need for Christ in your life. It's believing that Jesus died, uh, rose again, and accepting his forgiveness for our sins. And it involves choosing to invite Christ into our life as the one we're going to follow. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we're on the road. We're trying to follow the path. We're aligning the expression of our lives, the behaviors of our lives, of what would please God not to earn his love, but because he loves us. Uh, there's more detail if you go to our website uh, and you find uh, Knowing God Personally. Uh, there's uh, 20, I think there's 20 or 30 slides to this, and you can just click through and uh, see about that, and it walks you through that. So, so we, we give ourselves to God. Also, very quickly, we stand up to the devil. Now, I'm a person that believes that there is a devil, that that's a real being, and if you're someone who goes, I don't know about that, I, at least you could say, yes, I do see evil in the world, I see the devil's behind a lot of that evil in the world. So we stand up. James talks about this. He says, so then surrender, submit, give your life to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn away and run away from you. You see, if you are a Christ follower, the devil, evil, wants to make you ineffective as a Christ follower. Uh, he wants to make you mess up. He wants, to, he wants you to be a you know, hypocrite. He wants you to, in a sense, be that example of where you think, oh, a Christian shouldn't act that way. He wants you and me to be that guy. He wants the, our picture to be there. So, so he wants to mess us up. So we need to stand up. In Ephesians, there's a whole list of putting on the armor of God, but in Ephesians 13, it starts off with being, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. That's the reason you need to give your life in process to God. Submit to him. Then you can handle on your own. To all the help that you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Surrender to God. And then the devil's influence, evil's influence, whatever you want to call it, is lessened in your life. Also, it includes meeting with God, spending time with God. I, I hate to say this, and this is going to sound mean, and, and it's okay on this one. If you are not regularly spending time with God, I'm going to say daily, at least every other day, but it really ought to be daily, you're not meeting with God. That means you're starting your day not focused on him. You're not laying the pieces in front of his, in front of him. I'm, yes, he's gracious. Yes, he, yes, he doesn't abandon you. His love's unconditional. But I know for me, I know from my heart that it's so much easier for me to drift. It's so much easier for me to have relations slips if I don't spend daily time with him. I'm such a selfish person that if I don't have God speaking into my life, that selfishness rules the day. So I need help. I've even discovered that I sometimes actually need to check in with him more than once a day. It's not like 10 minutes in the morning and I'm set for life. It's no, that's not enough of a vaccine for me. I need to be vaccinated by his presence all day long. I need to be checking with him. 
Sometimes I've set my phone alarm to, to beep every hour just to make sure I'm going, wait a minute, I've gone an hour and I really haven't thought about God and I'm doing church stuff. I haven't even really thought about God. That's craziness. So the idea of meeting with God. Verse 8. Verse 8 says this. Come close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands. You have dirtied them in sin. Cleanse your heart because your mind is split down the middle. You know, if you're not regularly cleansing your heart, <laughs> you know, it's, it's which way am I going to go? Uh, one foot in, one foot out in a sense. Your love for God on one side and selfish pursuits on the other side. I want less selfish pursuits. And the only way that happens is not by my discipline, not because I'm such a good person, if, you knew, if Cindy could tell you otherwise, but, but it's because God's a part of my life. And I need to, on a regular basis, daily basis, check in with him. Also going along with this whole idea of cleansing and all that, purity paves the way to intimacy with God. So when you think of all the things around the edge, it doesn't mean you become a, a prude. It doesn't mean, you, you know, you're, you're, you're judgmental and all those kinds of things. But purity in your heart paves the way to intimacy. What you look at, what you watch, what you think at, all those kinds of things. And that's actually true in your relationships with other people, especially your spouse. Purity paves the way to intimacy. If you're not married... Purity paves the way to intimacy someday. It does. It creates a better path for that. So this idea of being close to God, he will help us with the area of purity. He will make it very obvious to you if you're regularly spending time with him when you're stepping out of line, when I'm stepping out of line. It doesn't have to be a search. Oh, am I stepping? You know, I will know. His spirit within me speaks to my heart. And I know you must repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that time after time your soul may know the refreshment that comes from the presence of God. The refreshment that comes from the presence of God. I, I, I'm hot right now. It's been a hot week. We all think of uh, drinking something cold and the refreshment that it brings. I had a blood test a couple weeks ago, and I got, got the results back, and everything was good. But he said, you were dehydrated. You need to drink more. I, what? You know, you, you know. So, 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 you know, sometimes you can get to the point where you don't even know you ought to be thirsty. Some of us are like that. We can work all day, and all of a sudden, it catches up with us. But that refreshment, some of us don't even realize our soul is dry. It's a daily experience so we can be refreshed. Refreshed, and it only comes from the presence of God. Nothing else will do it. Nothing else is the foundation that will keep our relations from cracking, relations from slipping. The presence of God. We need to repent from the inside out. This may seem a little obvious, but I need to talk about this for a couple minutes. It needs to be from the inside out. It's not a repentance that's just external. When someone's just getting caught and wants to be alleviated of the consequences, that's kind of like an outward repentance. It doesn't get to the heart. 
I know there's been times where I've been called out for doing something wrong, especially when I was a kid, and I just wanted relief from the punishment. It wasn't inside. I just wanted relief. It was outside first. The real kind of repentance that changes life and makes life better is when it's from inside out. It's not because I'm just scared of being punished, scared of the consequences. I mean, that sometimes helps, but it's got to be an inside out. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. There are times, there are seasons in our life, and you may even be in one of those seasons right now where you know that you're playing games with God. You're not serious with God. Externally, Everyone around you wouldn't know anything's different, but internally, there's something going on. Some of us need to stop. I love that about taking home communion last week. We gave you those little cups, and you know, hopefully you had an opportunity to get by yourself or with your family and celebrate communion, and you can, in a sense, get on your knees before the Master and let Him search your heart. And when you do that and you start processing through that stuff, it's not to keep you down, it's not to squish you down, it's to lift you and I up. And when you're serious with God, you confess your sins, you really repent of them, he lifts you up. Some of us, some of us can think of things that we were, were dastardly wrong in our lives and God forgave us of those and we've been lifted up. What refreshment. What freedom. Pharisees, clean the inside of the cup, not just the outside. I've talked about this before, but I like to liken this two kinds of uh, repentance you see in the scriptures. Um, and I, just because I like coffee, I've kind of coffeeized them. But uh, here's the first one is decaffeinated repentance. And decaffeinated repentance conveys a change of mind, such as to produce regret, but not necessarily a change of heart. It's like when we used to get after the girls, they started to learn very quickly that all they need to do is say sorry, and the pressure was off. They really weren't sorry. They would just say sorry, and then there was a time where Cindy and I said, we don't want to hear sorry. We didn't like sorry because we knew sorry meant code for you caught me, I want to be free from punishment, consequences. I want you off my back. So if I say sorry, that creates you off my back. There was no heart change. So we had to go through all that. We, we, we want you to be sorry at the heart level. We want you to be really repentant. You and I can be sorry because we got caught, sorry because of the consequences. We can feel regret, but our heart doesn't change on that issue. King James translates... Judas's sorriness as repentance. He actually uses this word. Judas, which betrayed him, that's Jesus, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. What do you mean he repented? No, he, he, he repented a decaffeinated kind of repentance. His heart wasn't engaged. Because if you really want to look at his, what he did and what Peter did, not too different not too different. Peter denied Christ a number of times. Judas, it's not too different. The heart was different. One was sorry uh, because uh, he was condemned, and the other one had heart repentance, caffeinated repentance. 
Caffeinated repentance conveys a change of one's mind and purpose and life direction. I love those moments where God's done a new work in me and something that I had an appetite for no longer has its draw on my life. And I go, wow, my mind, my purpose, my life has changed. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore. It's not because I'm worried about getting caught. I'm not worried about the stigma to it. I just don't want it. I don't even like the taste of that thing in my life anymore. That is wonderful, and that's the kind of repentance with God's grace will work in our hearts. Moving right along to the bottom line here. This is it. When our relationship with God slips, every other relationship slips. When our relationship with God slips, when it's non-existent, if you've never said yes to him, it affects every other relationship. For those of us who have said yes to Christ, when that is not who we're most in love with, when we're playing games in that area, it affects all of our other relationships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are gracious to us. You show us mercy. You're gentle with us. But uh, you don't, in a sense, just let us off the hook. You speak to our hearts. Sometimes we feel guilty. We want to feel convicted, different. Lord, I pray that as we have wrestled with just this first part of relations slips, we'll see how having you in the center, having you as the foundation of our life affects everything. And all of us have room to grow in that area from the person who maybe has never said yes, who right now in their seat can say, God, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need forgiveness of sin. Come into my life, and they can start that life with you. To those of us who have already said yes to you, but have let some things slide. Father, speak to our hearts, not so we just feel guilty, but so that there is caffeinated repentance in our lives, change in our life. We're thankful that you Hold our hands like a loving father and lead us along that path when we want to go in that direction. May we want to go. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.